So when my middle son was five, a neo-Nazi had driven down from Washington and decided to get off and get gas in Granada Hills, California. And he saw a Jewish community center on the sign and he thought he'd go kill the next generation of Jews and my kids were there. So I was the first civilian on scene. Jeez. And my son was covered in blood. So he lived, okay? My, my, my kids are alive and people said, yeah, but they're alive, there's no trauma. Now, remember, this was 1999, it was August 10th, 1999, okay? We knew nothing about trauma like we do today, okay? So none of us were treated. Well, I, that turned into the worst PTS tailspin of my life. It took me into addiction, it took me into horrible behavior, okay? And my kids were traumatized. Welcome to Authentic Conversations with Ryan James Miller. Join Ryan as he speaks with top business leaders and influencers and hear how they've mastered the art of authenticity to achieve all that they dreamed of. As you hear from these leaders, seek not only to be inspired by their authenticity, but to strive for and master your own. Well, welcome everybody to another episode of Authentic Conversations. Uh, this conversation is gonna be super duper fun. I can already tell both because of a quick connection that I have had uh, with this woman previously, but then also this morning and the way that we entered into this conversation. And you're gonna hear about what I heard earlier, which is just kind of funny, but at the same time, you're gonna feel some empathy right away. Um, so, uh, I, I found uh, Sherry Lewick uh, by way of recommendation, referral through LinkedIn. Uh, she was connected. I'm pretty sure I should have asked this before, but I think it was Nancy Giacalone that had uh, recommended her to me. You've heard me talk about Nancy before. She's a client of mine, great woman, uh, owner in the insurance world. Um, and so I was just stoked to be connected to Sherry. Uh, Sherry is a coach. Uh, she works with overachievers, gifted leaders, and she's going to get into specifically what she does. It was interestingly uh, interesting offline. We were even talking about the fact that as a coach, it's hard to define specifically what you do, maybe in a couple of words or even a sentence. So we'll dig into that too. But for now, Sherry, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me, Ryan. It's really, I, I feel honored to be here. And it's so funny the way you said, like, um, how we just sort of started off real quick. And, you know, as, as anybody who's never met a stranger knows, and I've never met a stranger, I take it you haven't either. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> there's not a lot of um, fluff. And it's really funny because a lot of people that I work with say working with me is like working with an old friend. And <laughs> of course, the older I get, to drop the old because <laughs> 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 I'm really becoming the old friend. Um, but it's nice when you can just have some fun with somebody. And I, the reason I was so excited to be a part of this was because authenticity is a word that is tossed around mm. like baloney back in my childhood, right? And, and people don't understand what authenticity really is. And so they yeah. talk about authenticity and they talk about vulnerability without even having a clue. So I love that your sort of mantra, be happy, be you, be authentic, is so in line with mine, right? And so it's just fun to meet somebody who 
gets it without needing an explanation. Yeah, no, it's good. <clears throat> um, okay, so we shared, you shared this funny story and, and you can't keep it private once you share it. Like there's certain things that you can keep private, but you had quite an interesting day yesterday. And by the time people hear this, it's gonna be a lot of yesterdays yesterday. Um, but why don't you share with us a little bit about what happened? Because I think that, you know, as we get older and we encounter more physical challenges, particularly, uh, it really taps into our resilience and our need to press on and press through things. So you live in Missouri, uh, unlike California right now, it's pretty cold there. You guys have some snow, some ice. And so um, you took a trip yesterday, did you not? I took a trip. All the young kids listening to this are like, what the hell did you just say? You know, it was a saying. Have you a just, nice you guys trip. can't get it. Have a nice trip. I'll see you in the fall, right? So <laughs> um, all the bad dad jokes are still bad dad jokes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? So, um, you know, resilience is another one of those funny words that people seem to miss. And I think what you said just really sums it up. And I'll share the story. But resilience is being able to press on no matter what life hands you mm. whether it be by choice or by chance and um, anybody who knows my story and a lot of people know my story because i wrote the really good juicy embarrassing parts in a book that was published last year called my skeletons have names but my story has a lot of trauma and a lot of abuse and so um, resiliency takes on a whole new level when you're able to continue and climb on and leave glass shattered in your resistance, not because somebody broke a window, but because I rose so many levels of success in spite uh -huh. of it. And, um, so, so my little, my little, uh, day yesterday was really almost comical, like you said, in the face of things we face. But um, so I am originally from Southern California and the last few days I have been saying that I am missing the blue sky. So <laughs> uh, anybody who has ever watched the Rose Bowl on New Year's Day knows exactly what I'm talking about because I think it's been cloudy or rained once in like the history of all Rose Bowls, right? And <laughs> I sit here with a effective sunlight on my desk. I'll turn it on so you can see it. So, um, <laughs> because that's my California sky. Uh. So, yeah, so my husband um, was diagnosed with COVID yesterday, and both he and I are immunocompromised. And so it's been something we've been super cautious to avoid. Mm. Um, he most likely got it at work, even though everybody is masked and careful, but there it has, it seems to be traveling around his office, much like the cold and a handshake. Mm -hmm. And um, I was trying to be super sweet and nice and, and find some ways to take care of him in between my calls. And I had my big group meeting last night. I have a, a coaching program that is the group and I like to get outside and get some fresh air. And I was in search of the blue sky, although it was gray. 
Um, there was no snow on the ground, but it looked like it had rained, but I had been in the house, right? And so I thought it had rained and I went, oh, okay. So I looked, it wasn't raining anymore. And I went to walk the dog and I got, I had sneakers on and I got my right foot in front of the other, my left foot, and then my right foot stepped down on my stoop off of the covered landing. Mm. And I looked like something right out of the Flintstones, or I don't even know, but I <laughs> I could hear the noise like, <laughs> I, I flew. it had to be three feet up in the air, really no exaggeration. Uh. Um, at least my feet went that high up in the air, but my head landed on the step oh. and um, the rest of my body obviously followed and my husband was inside and he heard me scream and he came outside and I'm not sure if I lost consciousness or not, but I was very confused when he was standing there. Mm. I have a baseball size knot on the back of my head and a little black eye. I've done a really good job of covering up and I showed you the bruise, my bruises. I don't know. What's that? Maybe. Eight baseball in, right yeah at least inches in diameter on my lower back <laughs> and i definitely have whiplash like i like i feel just oh my gosh <laughs> and it's funny <laughs> it's funny and yet for a minute there right as we get older um it's not so funny because you know when we were you know five ten 13 years old, you know, slip and fall. And whether it's your mom or your friends at that time, it's like, get up, dust it off. Like we don't dust things off. Right. I mean, it, it's not quite that easy. And, and, and not even, I know you were saying this morning, it's like, you know, I think maybe I have a concussion, which you got to be careful about. And, you know, you, it's, it's just going to take some time. And so you're kind of gingerly stepping back into normality. Like, and I'm sure you're going to gingerly take your steps out onto the front steps now for quite a while afterwards. Yeah, he salted them right after that. Um, ah. And this, I, I really having trouble moving. I, I have a concussion. I've had plenty of concussions. I know what a concussion is, right? And mm. this eye really hurts behind the eye. So, but I don't think I have brains. Well, you know, I probably have some brain swelling because that's what a concussion is. Yeah. But there's losing and there's no radiating. I mean, I'm, I'm okay. I've had worse. And, um, Everybody should know, by the way, right now, I offered Sherry to postpone recording. Liar. We're not forcing. Ah! <laughs> Who's being authentic now, Sherry? <laughs> I'm a card. I'm a card. Oh, um, that's good. Yeah, you did offer. You said, do you want to reschedule? Because I am thinking a little slower and I have a very fast brain and mm. sometimes my mouth cannot connect with the thoughts and so i'm actually um enjoying the slowness i'm feeling right now <laughs> no that's good that's good i mean again it's just you know resiliency right you gotta you dust it off and you do the best you can and you know i think that's important okay so uh, enough at least for the minute about poor sherry's incident yesterday and by the way uh if you hear this hopefully by the time it's recorded it will just be positive news anyway, but a great prayer for 
Sherry's husband, as well as her, to be protected from contracting this because I haven't talked about this very much, but you know, I'm one of those people uh, probably that sits in the middle of this whole pandemic, which is very, very serious, particularly serious for people that are immunocompromised as well as elderly people. We should all be careful. We should all be safe. But you've also seen me, you know, out living quote unquote my life to some degree and spending time with close people. And so I think that we're all walking in this place of like, we, we we are pretty confident we need to work. We need to, you know, we need to see some other people from time to time carefully. But the reality is, Sherry was saying, you know, like her husband's very careful and still it's kind of just made its way in. So a great prayer for him uh, would be wonderful. I'll definitely be praying for him. Thank and you. not if to Tommy, I believe in prayer. So um, if you are <laughs> going to see a prayer for him, Tommy is his name. Awesome. We will. I will for sure. I will for sure. Okay, so um, when we talked the first time, uh, and you know, when I did a little bit of digging before we chatted, uh, I saw um, uh, this book that you had written, and you know, as we talked about this idea of skeletons in the closet, and particularly naming them, um, it was super fascinating to me <clears throat> because um, I've spent a lot of time. I mean, definitely over the last 20 years, but more so over the last three to five, really identifying the things in my life that I found victory in moving past, but I didn't actually extract all from that I could because it was either such a traumatic event or so difficult or whatever that it was like, phew, I'm over it, I'm past it. Now I don't wanna talk about it or deal with it anymore. And I feel like, and I think we talked about this a little bit before, like I feel like a huge mistake in that is we miss out on the opportunity that devastation has to teach us, to grow us, to equip us, to help us be who we are today. So I would love to hear a little bit about, you know, your perspective there, but also just how that title came to be, how the book came to be. Uh, and then we'll, I'm sure I'll jump in at different times as I hear things, but I would just love to hear how, how you, how that came to be for you. Cause that's not easy. That was um, a lot. There's a lot to unpack there. Yeah. In my slow moving concussed brain. I'll keep um, going back. So, um, so if I miss something, just interrupt me and jab me in. Um, so the first piece I think you asked about was what happens in the devastation. You know, the de I love that word devastation. I believe in delicious words, and that's a delicious word. And somebody's listening, going, "What is so delicious about devastation?" Right? Like this chick's nuts, <laughs> and um, a little. So, so when I say that, because devastation is, it really depicts what trauma does to you it mm. does it devastates you and trauma is not to be compared right so my trauma it's easy for you to look at um anything that's really happened in my life if you haven't had the sexual abuse, physical abuse, emotional abuse, child abuse, I mean, you know, any homelessness, if you haven't experienced those things, it's easy to go, oh, God, I, you know, what I experienced is nothing compared to yours. Mm. And I think that that's where I really, where devastation is so important, because there's no measure to it. Okay, and there's no comparing. So 
so your trauma is your trauma and it deserves recognition and it deserves um, a place mm. on the same shelf right next to mine. And because you matter as a human. Mm. And so what happens matters because it affects us. And when we are young, um, we all experience trauma. There's not mm. a single one of us that gets out of here not having experienced childhood trauma. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay, and... so before before we go on, because I, I, I want, because you said that word many times, and so I, th I think that I want to stick there for a second. Have you read the book or heard of the book called The Coddling of the American Mind? No, but I, let okay. me write that down. <clears throat> so um, it, it was birthed out of an article uh, that was written, um, and he ended up going on to write a book. Uh, the author's name is uh, Jonathan Haidt. And um, so what's interesting, and I, I, I would really like to hear your perspective on this. So on one hand, uh, generally, I, I completely agree in the sense that <clears throat> we have all experienced, almost every single person has experienced some form of trauma, a, trauma a traumatic event. <clears throat> I think where I'm challenged sometimes, uh, this book actually speaks to this a little bit, is <clears throat> we have assigned trauma to everything. And so where, again, not that it doesn't ill affect you. Yeah, well, it's like, you know, things can ill affect you, but you know, for you, and, and I'm not gonna impose this upon you if this isn't your story, but you said this word or you said this term. So it's like, if you experience sexual abuse, um, that is far more devastating with more mental, emotional, physical, and practical short and long-term effects than you being called uh, a jerk uh, by somebody one time on the playground. And I know that like, I, I'm, I'm, yeah, well, yeah. And so, I, and I'm dividing those things that far because today we live in a society that in one sense, and I don't want to overdo this, but where everybody's claiming that you've you've offended me, you you have um, imposed upon my well-being, right? And so I just and I know you're not saying that. Just I I want to kind of insert that I in, and so that. yeah, please. Oh yeah, no, I'm so glad you said that because I don't want to fall in that bucket. Yeah. Okay. Because you will hear me say, just because you're offended doesn't mean you're right. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Okay. And, um, and we can't hide behind, and that's actually where I was going with this, right? Is you can't hide behind your trauma. Mm, okay. Good. So I have been sexually abused. I was raped at 18. Mm, okay. And, so sorry. Um, I have, I have had my jaw broken by my partner. Okay. So I have, I have experienced all of the extremes Gosh. of abuse. Okay. And um, I have been emotionally abused. I have been gaslit. Um, I had trauma as a child. And um, I actually found out when I was 50 that when I was eight or nine years old, in the book I said I was nine, but in my memories I was eight. Anyhow, but it didn't matter. I was a kid. 
you know, my whole life, I did my whole life, my whole big life up until I was eight or nine years old. I did not believe that my father was my father. And I attributed a lot of the way I was treated in my household to that belief. Mm. Okay. And I was treated very differently than my little sister. And it was very noticeable by the time she was five and she's no longer living. But when she was that two and a half years difference, though, even from an early age was glaring to me. And um, so I insisted. And, and at the age of nine, though, my parents finally sent me to a psychologist because they wanted to find out what was wrong with me. And the long and the short of it is um, I had. I have a very high IQ. I won't share it. Um, it's over 130, under 180. Okay, I'm not freaking uh, Elon Musk or Einstein. I wish, or okay, but but I fall into the everyday genius category, having an IQ over 130, and that's why my brain goes so fast, and that's also why I focus on overachievers and gifted adults because we do differently, we behave differently in the world. We're often misdiagnosed with ADHD, um, borderline personality disorder, autism spectrum, we're often misdiagnosed. And so it really does take somebody who knows exactly, who, who does specialize in that to really be able to help. And um, I digress. So I, I can go down a million rabbit holes, okay? Remember I told you it's good that I have a concussion. So. <laughs> You're watching this crazy brain in motion as I as I go through these things. No, I'm tracking so with you. The point being, yeah. So the point being is that doctor came back and he said, "Look, it's she's not the problem. She's going to be challenging because she needs more information." I've always been um, insatiably curious. I research and read a lot. Um, I, I like opposing views because it challenges me and, um, and I love a good debate. So needless to say, at the age of 50, some years later, my mom sat down and said, there's a chance your dad's not your dad. Wow. So they both knew that there was a chance and I took a DNA test and he's not my dad. Wow. Okay, so that's trauma as well. And there's a whole set of us, um, thousands of us in today because you can take home DNA kits mm -hmm. that are finding that we belong to family, uh, different lineage of fathers. So uh, my father is somebody famous, my birth biological father. Um, he is David Rubin, uh, David Rubin, that's his, one of my brothers. His name's Alan Rubin. He has written more books on social work, childhood trauma, and um, mental health than anybody in the country, really in the Whoa. world. I think there's 130 publications. He is Brene Brown's main mentor and teacher. And he wants nothing to do with me. Oh my gosh. So just because you have 
training and just because you have history does not mean you have the tools or the skills to deal with it. And um, so I don't, we were talking about trauma and somehow we went to, I've experienced literally the yeah, fall no, on it's... the ice, nothing. The fall on the ice was nothing. It's like, okay. <laughs> like I've been hit by a truck, you know? <laughs> And, um, and so, you know, so when I use the word trauma, I'm not talking about, I've been bullied a lot. I mean, in, in elementary school, they called me Frito Bandito, you know, cause I had like a little dark mustache, you know, cause kids are mean Terrible. and, um, and I was smart and yeah. So, I mean, I've been bullied a lot, but I never associated my bully with trauma. And the fact that you said that is really interesting cause you used bullying as an example. And I've never once thought I had any trauma around that. Yeah, well, and, and you know, again, we would all say that, you know, a, a, a poor interaction or two um, on the playground is different than a year-long, uh, high school-long season of bullying, which is far more um, negatively impacting on that person. But even then it's just you know and those can have ill effects but it's but they can also have no effect correct correct it's like okay so that actually you saying that that's a good way to kind of clarify that and saying that just because it's happened doesn't mean that it has it's automatically going to have this long-standing devastating impact on your life and again that's not to discount the fact that it's happened like we should address the fact that yes it's happened but i think that it's too easy today and gosh, forgive me for saying this because someone's going to get pissed off, but it's too easy for people to play the victim as the result of something bad happening to them, you know? And I think that that not only hinders their personal life and growth, but it also discounts who truly has had devastating, yes. you know, yeah. circumstances. Yes. It's the, you get a trophy, you get a trophy, you get a trophy. Yes. Okay. And, and so you don't have to work hard so that you actually get a freaking trophy. Okay. Yeah. So, so the name of my book is my skeletons have name, how I went from victim to hero. Okay. And I was a victim. I had to learn. So, oh, that's where we started. So you were asking me, how do you, about the level of devastation, what do you do? Right. Mm -hmm. And, and the reality is I thought I had healed a lot of my pain and my had changed. Oh my gosh. Leaps and bounds, really. Okay. Mm. I'm afraid to use the word leap. I might fall down. <laughs> <And> was, <laughs> <laughs> Willing it back into existence. No jumping. No jumping. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so. Um, wrap me in bubble wrap. So the, 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 the point being is I thought I had really done these things, but I had skimmed past them. Hmm. I had addressed them, but I had skimmed past them. Why? Because it freaking hurts. Mm -hmm. Okay. And it's hard. It's hard. And Until we can feel neutral about something that has happened to us, it's not healed. Mm. That's how you know you've healed is when you can be neutral. And so like when we had the school shooting and my, 
<laughs> your face is like, where the hell is she? No, going? no, no, no. I, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm intently listening. You haven't read my book. You have not read my book, so you've got to read it. So, so when my middle son was five, a neo-Nazi had driven down from Washington and decided to get off and get gas in Granada Hills, California. And he saw a Jewish community center on the sign and he thought he'd go kill the next generation of Jews and my kids were there. So I was the first civilian on scene. Jeez. And my son was covered in blood. So he lived, okay. My, my, my kids are alive and people said, yeah, but they're alive. There's no trauma. Now, remember this was 1999. It was August 10th, 1999. Okay. We knew nothing about trauma like we do today. Okay. So none of us were treated. Well, I, that turned into the worst PTS tailspin of my life. It took me into addiction. It took me into horrible behavior okay and my kids were traumatized uh -huh. and um it didn't show up much later and i couldn't talk i was trying to remember why i brought that up i couldn't talk about it for almost 11 years because I would literally go back there. When being the first civilian on scene, it sounded like the opening scene in, um, what's the movie where they say it smells, I love the smell of napalm, Apocalypse Now. Uh -huh. Okay, it sounded like the beginning of the movie Apocalypse Now with the Vietnam War scene, the helicopters, okay? If I heard a helicopter even in the distance, I would literally, my body would freeze and go into shock. I mean, uh, that's trauma, man, right? Yeah. But I can talk, yeah. look, I just talked about it. Okay. Yep. I'm like, here's what happened. Because I had a, I had a deep that you can't be who you're meant to be. You can't be your authentic self until you've dealt with the, the skeletons in your closet, man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and some of them are choices. I mean, some of them are mine. Like I created it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I, I think that, and, and I can personally relate in, in so many different ways. And I think the one that is, is, the easiest for me to see the way that things can be affected differently uh, was, so I think I had shared with you that uh, my wife and I and uh, a few of our friends were in Las Vegas when the mass shooting took place and we lost one of our best friends that night. And so, you know, devastating, right? Life-changing, like when I, if I, you know, concentrated right now, closing my eyes, I could still look out and see just, you yeah. know, you know, what was going on. and. Every once in a while, I'll have a dream, you know, a, a really, really loud, no, a sudden noise will still create a startle, um, but, and, 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 and it hurts still today to think about a lot of that, but my post-traumatic stress is far less, and I went through some, some seasons of anxiety and depression as a result of it, far less than other people that were there and experienced maybe quote unquote less in the sense that maybe they didn't lose anybody, but they still, they still, I mean, we're four years removed, three and a half years removed. They still can't even leave their house. Like they can't go to work. And so I think that's what's so important is equal things happen to us, 
external circumstance, but how that works internally, not because we're smarter or better, it just works different. And so I think it's so important to diagnose and address things as they happen to individuals versus blanketing all this stuff, which is something that you're illustrating so well. Like we just, we don't talk about that enough. It's just like, oh, something bad happened. Yep, I get it. You're gonna have to go through all these steps. And it's like, I don't think that that works for everybody the same. I don't eat well, so I don't either. And that's why um, I have really made it my mission to talk about what it's It's actually you asked me why I write my book, right? So <laughs> um, I wrote my book because I felt like <laughs> the crap I've experienced and been through both by choice and by chance. Okay, because I've also had a lot of fabulous, wonderful things that are people can't even imagine happening, right? So right now we're just talking about the garbage. We're not talking about all the wonderful things. The fact that I wasn't supposed to get pregnant and I have three beautiful children that I had while taking the pill. Okay, wow. so so we're not talking about the miracles that God has given me either. Okay, we're mm -hmm. but we're talking about something very specific, and. Um, I wrote the story because I really wanted people that felt like their burden was so heavy hmm. and their shame was so thick because it's the shame that keeps us hurting. Yeah. Yep. And I wanted them to understand by illustrating that I could do it. And it seemed like the trauma mystic. <laughs> Right. It was like one thing after another, after another, after another for 50 some odd years. Yep. Okay. We're not talking about a day and that I could still achieve wonderful things and I could still live a life beyond my wildest imagination. And I'm just an ordinary gal. Right. And, and the fact that I have a high IQ has nothing to do with it. Okay. That's a burden. <laughs> it's not a, that's not a blessing. That's a burden. And, and I don't share that. I don't, it came up for a reason. I don't wander around. It's not in the book. It's not, you know, and I'm, I'm writing my second book. And um, so the last one was my skeletons have names. And you said, how did I come up with that? And I have no freaking idea. I was literally walking and I was like, you know, my freaking skeletons have names. And it wasn't until I pulled them out and I, I, I embraced them that I could really heal. And yeah. that really is the key to all of our shame is we've got to pull it out. We've got to look at it. We've got to meet it where we are, not where we were, but where we are. And when we do that, we can do it with anything. Yeah. Well, and I can hear, I, I, I can hear why, this is so important as you're coaching people, uh, particularly the quote unquote overachiever, um, because again, like I just happened to step into so much shit my whole life. But uh, in October of 2016, so a year before my own personal devastation, um, I worked with a girl, uh, a young woman, 30 years old, life on fire, married, 
uh, straight A student her whole life, valedictorian, captain of the cheerleading team. She was killing it at work. She was my counterpart. I was leading sales. She was leading client service. And uh, she stepped into a period of what started with some self-doubt. Uh, she was setting expectations for herself that were far greater uh, than anybody else could set for her. Uh, and she didn't know how to figure it out. She started getting anxiety, depression. So she goes to the doctor. The doctor starts prescribing her all kinds of stupid ass medication that's just further messing up her brain, causing her to doubt herself. And she starts turning into kind of this walking zombie half the time, right? And so <clears throat> that's not working clearly. And so then she goes to another doctor and I've bit my tongue in naming this, this company or this place because it's very well known, but she goes to this other very well known treatment center. They do some like shock therapy on her brain to try and get it back, cool, you know, working well. Oh yeah, it does. <laughs> and I, I, I watched then her go from at least just being medicated and not being able to do much, which was bad, but it was nothing like when she started going there and they told her that just keep doing this and eventually like this is going to basically shock you back to normal and and i'm overstating that but literally that's what it was like stop taking your medication just do this and on a thursday afternoon uh, she left the office at 12 30 sitting in a meeting with myself please yes she did she went home that evening put a gun to her head and killed herself and this young girl had her whole life ahead of her. She was at the top of her game in what she was doing, but one day she could have gone on to run a company or this country. And what was even worse was months later, we left her office intact for the longest period of time because nobody wanted to like desecrate, you know, we didn't know what to do, right? And her husband came and took some stuff. And one day I went into her office and I was sitting there tearing up, just thinking about what she went through because she and I had some deep conversations about her faith oh in God. God. I can't even deal with this right now. Yeah, so brutal. And I remember reading some of her journal entries and she was, it, it was this tension of begging God to remove this from her. And at the same time, trying to figure out why she couldn't just do better. And I- yeah, she, and, she was gifted and she had trauma. So I can, and, I, I already know I'm not a doctor. I'm not licensed to diagnose people. Okay. But you can, you can, you can be an expert and recognize yourself and anybody any day of the week. Okay. I'm willing to bet you are so willing to bet it. So, so, but overachievers have a story in their brain that tells them they're not enough. And at some point, and it can happen many times, okay? But being a high achiever is what we aim for, not overachiever, okay? And the reason we become overachievers is because we're trying to prove our value in hitting the next mark. Yep. And it starts as a child, okay? And that's where we get into trouble. And so it's our expectations aren't met and we create the limiting belief that we're not good enough and we go on and we usually soar. And if you find somebody like what you just said on the outside, she has the perfect life, okay? Now, even when I was going through my shit, I still had the, people thought I was, uh -huh. I could do anything. People yep. still think, oh, she could do anything. Just look at her, you know, and like, I probably can 
but it's going to take me a long time and I may suffer a lot through it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, I'd be willing to try. That's what I should say. I'd be willing to figure it out, right? But yep. the point is, those of us who often look so good on the outside are tortured on the inside. And when you started to tell a story, I'm like, he's going to tell me she died. I mean, I tried to commit suicide three different times. And had I had a gun, I would not be here. Yep. Okay. But I was so afraid of not being successful in shooting myself because nothing went my way. Mm. Right. That I was convinced I'd end up just drooling on myself. That I'd be the one, I'd be that fraction of a percentage that, so I never tried a gun mm. because I knew, and the same thing with hanging, like the last time I was going to kill myself, I thought about hanging myself because I was like taking pills didn't work, slitting my wrists didn't work, right? I was like, this man tried to kill me over and over and over again. That didn't work, right? I'm like, what am I going to do? I got, mm. this is not working. And um, this is not about me. This is about her, but I believe I save lives. Yeah. Well, okay, so I, and I think it is about you in this sense. And, you know, why you're telling the story, why you write the book. This is the same thing that I, when I talk to people and they tell me, you know, like, you're, you're making an impact, you're doing that. Like, I know you're not telling your story. And I can tell already in the time we've spent together now, in the short time before, you telling your story, and you said this earlier, is empowering other people to embrace theirs, to address theirs, to tell theirs, to lean into theirs, to realize that they don't have to live the rest of their life hiding the things that are holding them back from living the life they've been created to live, right? I mean, that that's the whole point is like, we need to name it, we need to claim it, we need to figure out how to deal with it. A lot of times for people, you know, in that category of, I'm killing it i'm achieving everything and then some like that's why somebody like you exists if we don't deal with that you know most of us are not capable thank god most of us are not capable of taking our own lives much for the reason that you said right there and that is a wonderful thing but that doesn't mean that we're not going to not live the rest of our life miserably even though we're successful and happily in a marriage like all these things happen and yet inside we are just a shell and crumbling because we aren't willing to do the real shit that it's going to take well and i think it's because there's been so many shortcuts yep yep okay and it doesn't have to hurt okay so when i'm working with somebody i don't drag them through the mud or over the freaking gravel so that they end up broken and bloody like a therapist okay because what really worked for me i mean i've been in and out of therapy for i mean what felt like a hundred years mm -hmm. and every time i left i was more depressed mm -hmm. And in more pain than when I went in there. So I'd stop going because I'm like, I don't want to go there to feel like shit. What is this? Yep. Well, look what you just told me about your friend. Okay. And so then they start diagnosing you. Okay. And they want to put you on pills and this and the other. And now I will tell you right now, I take medication. Okay. I have clinical depression. I take medication. Without it, I will die. Yep. Okay. How do I know? Because I've tried a hundred million times to do it successfully and I need it. Yep. Okay. But I don't need Ritalin. First of all, I'm a, I, I freaking was addicted to meth. Okay, like why are you giving someone you in recovery? <laughs> yeah, freaking something that they'll never get enough of. <laughs> yep. But because I didn't want to feel the way I felt, I took it. 
Mm-hmm. It made me feel crazy. I didn't take it. Okay. I took, I probably did everything your girlfriend did. I, I know not girlfriend. Okay. Yeah. yeah. No, I get you. Um, I probably did everything she did. They gave me like Depakote and they gave me this. And it's like, what are you people doing? And it wasn't yeah. until about a decade ago, a girlfriend of mine convinced me and I, my life was on cloud nine from, for mm-hmm. how I felt about it. Okay. Mm-hmm. I was, I was living life on my terms and she said, you know, you should do this coaching thing. And I was like, oh, I've done everything. I don't want to do anything else. I don't have the money. What's right. <laughs> And she goes, and I, and she goes, look, I'd help you. She goes, but if you don't have any skin in the game, you're not going to take it seriously. Mm. So God, that was good I advice. Think, finally, I said, okay, I'm going to do it. Okay. And I did it. And so it changed my life. And it was when I decided that I was going to do these things that I now do because had somebody done that for me when I was 17 and homeless, Okay, I could have saved myself years and years and years of suffering. Had I done something like that at 34, I wouldn't have become an addict. Had I, I mean, I can, I can place it, okay, because coaching by somebody who is trained, okay, and um, has the not paper credentials, but experience credentials. And we all get them. Okay, I have plenty of them. And we all get them. And we're not I am so like yesterday, I was saying it it will change your life and it should change it in 20 minutes. Okay, so so it should change your life in 20 minutes, it won't be lasting change, but you will know in the first 20 minutes of who you're talking to is legit. Because you should feel different. Yeah. So good. I mean, I, so I, 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 I guarantee my coaching, I will give you your money back. Because if you don't feel different, there's something wrong with us together. Okay. Mm. I will give, I refund, I will refund if you don't feel that you got the value from our work together. Why? Because it works. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm not worried about it. And you know, I was talking to my coach yesterday and um, I said, you know, I'm really annoyed with the coaching industry and I'm not alone. I'm sure you're, you could go, oh yeah. Okay. Because there's times so, many, so much smoke being blown up people's butts. Okay. Yep. And false promises and empty this and take a magic pill and take a course and do this and do that. Okay. Those people are not in the coaching business. They're in the money business. Those people are looking to make money. Okay. I charge because it's my business. And let me tell you, I undercharge. Okay. But I am not in the business to become a millionaire off of the backs of others. I'm in the business to become a millionaire from changing lives. Yeah. Okay. You will never see me giving an empty promise because I'm here to change lives. If I'm never become a millionaire, I never become a millionaire. Like, right. So that's not my goal. My goal is to change lives because nobody should suffer the way I suffered. Nobody should take their life because they can't be seen as who they are. Like nobody's story is so bad. It can't be heard. Nobody's. Yep. That's good. <clears throat> okay. I, I think 
on one wow, hand, I want to be riled up. I want, I, well, uh, off of what you said alone, I could go on about a 12 minute rant on how shitty half of the, you know, no, 90% of the coaches are out there and some of the biggest names in the business and how terrible they are. But I'm going to digress for the time being. And I also feel like <clears throat> that's a good spot to land the plane completely because of this. <clears throat> I, I think it's important because, you know, what I've tried to accomplish over the last, I don't know, couple of months of the podcast is instead of here's the seven things you need to do to change your life, which can be very helpful and practical at times, you know, in, in the right context. What I'm trying to do is, is to invite people into a conversation in which we do what we just did, which was, I pray to God. Like I literally pray. I talk about prayer. I really mean it. I have a deep faith in God. I believe that, you know, there, there is so much that comes in it and, and wherever you land there, I just, I don't care. But I like, I, I pray to God that through the conversation I've had with you today, Sherry, that somebody hears, somebody hears that I do not have to go on living my life the way that I'm living. And probably for most people that will hear this, they're not living in a state of utter devastation like you were at seasons of, you know, in seasons of your life. It, it's more of, <clears throat> there's just something off. There's just something that I'm missing and I can't figure it out. And I damn sure guarantee that if you work with the right person, in this case, if something you said with that, or that Sherry has said has resonated, reach out to her because eventually, question after question, digging deep into your story, you are going to end up figuring out that it was something three years ago, 17 years ago, 57 years ago, that is unresolved, that needs to be addressed. When it is finally realized, your whole life will change. And so that's why I feel like this is a great place to land is I feel like in the way that you finished, you accomplished that so well for people today. So, I mean, just thank you. Thank you. And look at that. Concussion, black eye, nothing stopped you from doing what you needed to do I today. made a commitment. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, disclaimer, I did not require it. She decided to do it. But it was a blessing. No, I, I really appreciate that. And um, I'm going to pick up a copy of the book um, because I definitely want to check it out. I mean, just um, the... The, the title alone is, you know, resonates with, you know, with so much of what I think, but hearing bits and pieces of your story, I definitely want to hear more, not just because I'm intrigued to know more about you, but because there's things that I can always continue to learn and grow just for myself as a human, as a husband, as a father, you know, in so many different ways. Um, so how can they best get in contact with you? We'll put this into the show notes too, but how can they best get in contact with you, find a copy of the book? Like where, where do they go? You are such a blessing, Ryan. You are just, you really are. You're a blessing in my life. Um, so uh, SherryLewick.com, S-H-A-R-I-L-U-E-C-K.com, uh, SherryLewick.com. You can even read, I don't know, four chapters on my website. Awesome. Okay, cool. All right. So you heard it there. We'll put the link in the show notes. We'll make sure if you have a question, a thought, a concern, this is one of those times that I say, 
Do not let you get in the way of you. Do not let your pride, your lack of a willingness to dig in, it's probably going to hurt. And I just say, just get it together. Like it's time that you finally address these things because no, no one should go on living with unresolved things like this in their life. So connect with Sherry, reach out to her. Any questions you got for her, feel free to ask her. Anything you have for me, feedback, questions, concerns, whatever you want, I'm here for you as well. And as I say, as often as I possibly can remember to say, be you, be happy, be authentic. Thank you guys so much. Thank you for listening to Authentic Conversations with Ryan James Miller. If you found value in today's episode, please subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform and share it with others. To connect with Ryan and learn more, visit ryanjamesmiller.com.